If you have your Bibles, let's open them to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 3. Philippians 1, and we'll begin in verse 3. The Apostle Paul is writing what's known as a prison epistle. He's writing from prison. He's crime, of course, is preaching the gospel, doing what's right, and he finds himself landed in the the slammer. And yet, from prison, he writes a letter that is just filled with great joy. And in these verses, you're going to see an opening prayer, which was not unusual for correspondence of the day. Many times when folks would write letters, they would include a prayer of blessing on those that they spoke to. But uh, his prayer reveals one of the things that he's joyful for, and it is each other, each other. And I think one of the things that ought to fill our lives with joy is one another here in the body of Christ. You ought to be thankful for your brothers and sisters in Christ. You ought to love them and pray for them and and, uh, support them, encourage them, and uh, just give each other some leeway, right? Because we are, none of us are perfect, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. We all make mistakes. We're on a journey, aren't we? One day we'll see Jesus and we'll be like him, but until then, uh, we carry around the flesh. And so bear with one another, bear with one another. So as he writes this letter, let's begin in verse 3. It says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making making, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And let me just state there that he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. And we, of course, know that, that that sounds a little bit impossible, doesn't it, to have all pleasant memories about somebody. I mean, there had to be those things that maybe drove him a little crazy from time to time. There had to be those mistakes they had made or maybe some you know, sin that they had got involved in. But he's able to thank God for all of his remembrances of them. I think there's something to be said there about our attitude and what we choose to highlight or focus in people's lives. Sometimes we just need to forget the bad and focus on the good. And almost like it doesn't exist. Just say, I am just not even going to think about these things and I'm going to rejoice in the good things. Thank God in all your remembrance. He goes on, he says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. And in that text, I want us just to go right to the center of it. And there's a verse, in verse 6, he speaks. And that's where I want to draw our message from today. He uses this phrase. He says, and I am sure of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that God not only has begun a good work in us, but he continues to do a work in our lives And one day we can have assurance that he will complete the work that he has done in us. Uh, We need to constantly be aware, number one, that it is he who began the good work in us. When you and I gave our lives to Christ and we surrendered to him, he began to do a work in our lives. It wasn't us. It's not us. It never will be us. It is God doing something in us. If the only transformation that takes place in our life, if the only change that takes place in our life originates with us, we're in trouble. 
we are in trouble because we don't have the idea or the understanding of where we need to go, and I don't think we have the strength or the power to get there. But God supernaturally, when we give our life to him, he begins to do this work in our life. Make no mistake, we are saved by grace through faith alone. It's not works or anything like that, but it is God that begins this work. And the day that I accepted Christ, I was saved. But I can tell you this, through the years, he continues to do a work in my life. And one day, he'll complete that work in my life when he takes us from this planet into a place where we are saved once and for all from the presence of sin. But God does this work. It's he who does it. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I want us to look there because we need to know this work that we're talking about this morning isn't a work that we do. It's a work that God does. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. So we're not saved by what we've done. And the reality is if we were, we would boast about it. We would brag about it. And the sad thing is that many times we still boast, even though we had nothing to do with it, arrogance begins to fill into our lives. We begin to get a little prideful, and we forget where we came from and how we got to where we are today. And so the apostle reminds me, he says, hey, it is not by works that we've done. It's the grace of God that has saved us. That grace is that unmerited or undeserved favor of a heavenly father that looked down and saw us in our sin, at the depths of our sin, and loved us anyway, and said, I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to deliver you from your own destructive course. And so we're saved by this grace. He goes on and he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There's two types of works that are mentioned there. The first one, he says, we are his workmanship. A good good definition of that or a good word to replace that with is masterpiece. In fact, some modern translations say we are his masterpiece. And that is exactly what you and I are today. You are God's masterpiece. You are his handiwork. If God were an artist, you'd be his painting. If he was a sculptor, you'd be the sculpture. We are his masterpiece. The design that we are is made by him. We're shaped by him. We're molded by him. We are detailed by him. He is in control of every aspect of our lives, not we ourselves. And so we are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And there we see the second works that he talks about, and that's the works that we do. And even though we're not saved by our works, he says we were designed to do good works. That when we live out our faith, when we actually practice what we preach, when we do good deeds, he says that is exactly what we were designed to do. And you know what? We're the happiest when we're doing what we were designed to do. If you today are here and and your thing is singing and you are a singer, you are probably the happiest when you're singing. If your thing is is mowing the yards and, and doing flower beds and gardening, you're probably the happiest when you're doing that. Whatever it is you were designed to do, whatever it is that your gifting is, you're the happiest when you do that. And all of us were designed by our creator as his masterpiece, and part of our makeup is to do good works. I'll tell you, the most miserable Christians in all the world are those who are not exercising their faith and doing good works. Find something good to do and do it. He says, we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let me give you some things this morning. Number one, when he talks about this work that he's doing in our lives, he said, I'm confident or I'm sure of this thing, that he which hath began a good work in you 
We'll perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Number one, the work commences. It begins somewhere. Have you started the work? Has the work begun in your life that needs to take place? Have they broke ground? Brother Carl this morning in the office came in and he was so excited because I understand that they're breaking ground on an O'Reilly's Auto Parts in Farmersville. The city has gone big time. And you can tell where our priorities are. I hate working on my cars. I said, yeah, but we got a Taco Bell now. That's, now that's big news. <laughs> but really, none of these things even come close to the, to the importance of the building project that begins in our life. And this morning, the question is, have you, has that process begun in your life? Has God begun to do this good work in your life? It begins the moment we surrender our lives to him. It begins when we come to realize that we are sinners and that we are in desperate need of a Savior. That without Christ, we're lost. And without Christ, our eternity is in jeopardy. And when we finally surrender our lives to Him and ask Christ to forgive us of our sins and come into our heart, He says He begins to do this good work in us. Has He begun that work in you? 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Paul describes the Christian life this way. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In other words, when we give our lives to him, all of a sudden there's a new creation that takes place. Not a remodel. He says, I'm going to build you from the ground up brand new. He says, the old things go out and everything new comes in. God wants to do that work in our lives. And no matter what it is that we're carrying around today with our past or our habits, the things that we're involved in, if we'd surrender our life to Him, the work begins immediately. And God begins to make us new people. The work begins at the altar or the kitchen table or a patio table in the backyard. The work begins wherever it is that we receive Christ as our Savior, but the work continues until we see Jesus face to face. And I'm afraid sometimes that we think that when we come to church and the Holy Spirit begins to deal with our hearts and and we surrender our life to Christ, that we think, done, project over. God saved me, and, and He did save us. He wrote your name down in the Lamb's Book of Life, but the work just begun. And he's going to continue to do some things in our life. And those that are here that have served the Lord for any length of time know that God has never finished changing us and shaping us and molding us. In fact, we are so sinful that there are times when one project begins and another one is already underway down the road, isn't it? If you've ever raised children, you know the frustration of trying to clean a house with a house full of children. You're cleaning and you get one room clean and you walk to the next room and there's a mess already. And I got to think our Heavenly Father looks at our lives that way and He says, man, I just got this cleaned up and you've already messed up this area of your life. I just got your, your marriage back on track and now you're messing up your career. I just got your career back on track and now you're messing up with your social circle. God is constantly working in our lives. And until the day we see Him face to face, that will continue. Remember Ephesians, we are his workmanship, we're his masterpiece. And sometimes those projects take longer. I was reading about the Sistine Chapel with Michelangelo and his painting of it, and they said that when the Pope summoned him to come and to paint the ceiling of that chapel, that he kind of protested a little bit. He said, I'm a sculptor, not a painter. And the Pope said, you can do it. 
And so he began the process, and it was an intriguing way that they painted those ceilings, and uh, the process was interesting. And so he called for helpers to come and help him, and he dismissed them after a week or two because they weren't any help. They wanted to do things their way and not the way he felt it. And a project that started out as a one-year project took him over four years to complete. You know, God is doing a work in our life, and I guarantee it's going to take more than four years. Philippians 2 says this, in verses 12 and 13, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The New Living Translation interprets that idea of working out your own salvation as this, work hard to show the results of your salvation. So there's this continuing work going on in our life. We need to let the good work show so that we can do God's goodwill and pleasure. The second thing this morning I want you to see about this work is that the work continues. Not only is there a a commencement, a beginning to the work, but the work must continue in our lives. And the question maybe for that is not have you begun the process, but have you stalled along the way? How many of you have ever noticed a building project that gets off and going and sometimes I look and I get excited and I think about what could that be and and then you see that somewhere, for some reason, the work just stalls. In Vallejo, we had a development of nice homes that had begun and they started the process. They put the big wall up around the subdivision, did a few streets in the subdivision and even framed a few homes within that project. And then the work stalled. And it went on for seven or eight years of no progress. And I wonder sometimes if in our lives, that's what happens with us. That we give our hearts to Christ and He begins to do this work in our lives, but the work stalls for some reason or another. God just is willing to do the project, but something gets in the way. Jeremiah speaks of the potter's house, and probably we'd do well to... Listen to the words. He says, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Arise, go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hands, and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel. Can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. In other words, we, we, according to this pattern, we're like that clay that's in the potter's hand. And the potter begins to shape it and mold it, but he says in the process that that vessel was misformed, and so the potter took it and very quickly reshaped it and reformed it. And God is in the process of doing that in our lives, but we have to be the clay that is in his hands. We have to be soft and pliable and, and listening to God and obedient to him. Are we stalled in the process? And you know, even in life's difficult times, we are still being shaped and renewed. In fact, sometimes it's the most difficult times in our life that God is changing us and shaping us and molding us. It may be right now that you're going through trials and you don't understand what's going on and why that they're happening to you, but maybe this is all part of the building process that God is doing in our lives. 2 Corinthians says, So we do not lose heart. In the midst of our trials, in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of persecutions, he says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison 
And we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. In other words, these struggles that we're facing, he says, maybe on the outside we're really struggling. Maybe in the physical world we're really doing, we're having a difficult time. But he says, God is doing something far greater than the outside. He's changing us on the inside. He's shaping us and molding us into who we need to be. And no matter what it is that we face in this life, we need to allow God to continue to do his work in us so that one day when we stand before him, we'll stand as completed masterpieces. For the work to continue, we've got to examine what needs to be there. And if I were to equate building materials to that list, here's some of the things that we need to ask ourselves. If if the work is stalled, am I still praying? His prayer is one of the building blocks to, to my growth and to my change and to what God is doing in my life. Am I still praying? And by praying, I mean more than the thank you for this food prayer. I'm talking about the intentional time alone with God prayers. Are we still reading our Bibles? That's a part of the communication process, isn't it? I I pray and I talk to God, and when I read my Bible, I'm listening to God, and I'm looking for what His Word has for me. Many times, the process, the work process stops in our lives because we've put our Bibles on a shelf somewhere and we've left them there. To many Christians, unfortunately, the Bible has become just an accessory that they pick up and take with them to church on Sundays. Maybe while they're there, they read it, and, and, and then again, maybe they don't. They just carry it. But listen, if God's Word is not a part of our lives, the work is going to stall. Or attending church. There are so many that, that want to argue the necessity of church and do I need to go to church to be a Christian? And, and certainly you, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but boy, once you are a Christian, you need to be there. God is going to continue to do work in your life through being in church and through serving others and through trials and temptations. Trials and temptations are faith-building experiences. So he says, I'm confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun to do a good work in you will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And the third one is this. There's the confidence that we can have. He says, I am sure of this. This God who began the work will continue to perform it until it's finished. He who began the good work will bring it to completion. We can have that confidence. I I don't need to fear, and I don't need to worry, and I don't need to stress over, am I going to make it? Am I going to get to heaven? Is God going to finish what he's going to do in my life? I have confidence not in myself, but I have confidence in the God that I have surrendered my life to. The apostle said, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I commit to him against that day, that I can trust my life to him. 1 John 3 says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us? that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. You ever thought about that love that he has for us? That he can look down and claim us as his own. And that's not a simple process. He gave his son Jesus Christ to die for us. He purchased us. He redeemed us. He set us free from our sins, but it cost him the blood of Jesus Christ, his son. Sometimes we promote salvation. We say it's free. Salvation is free. It doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to do anything. And that's true in one sense, but in the other sense, it costs God everything. He gave his life for us. 
He goes on, he says, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And listen to what he says. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. See the process there? He says, we are God's children now. But what we shall be has not yet appeared. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a child of God right now. But what you're going to eventually be like isn't certain yet. You're not there yet. I'm not there yet. But he says, but one day when we see him, we'll be exactly what we need to be. We'll be like him. I'm confident, I'm sure of this, he says, that he who began the work in you will continue to do that work until it's finished one day in heaven. Let me ask you this morning, has God begun to do a work in your life? Are you still wandering around on your own trying to be a good person, a good husband, a good mom, a good dad, a good citizen? You're just trying to do it on your own. And if someone were to say, why why would you go to heaven? You say, well, I, I try to be a good person. Or have you just got ready to surrender your life to Christ and said, God, it's not me that needs to do the work, it's you. Has he begun to work in your life? And as a Christian, listen, are you here today and Maybe the work has stalled. Maybe you're not where you need to be. And you're not making progress. Isn't it time that maybe we look and say, what has stopped God from doing his work in my life? And inevitably, it'll be something that we have pulled back from. But we have the confidence, don't we? He'll do the work. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this day.